Merry Christmas. We're happy to be here. Let's pray, okay? God, we love you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for uh, just a time together this morning to celebrate, Lord, uh, the, the life and salvation that we have in Jesus. And, Lord, that it started with, with him being sent to earth in the most kind of unspectacular way um, as a baby to just a normal unknown couple, even kind of in questionable circumstances, Lord, and um, Lord, uh, I just, I thank you for that. Even in that, it is a picture of your heart, Lord, for how you call in, Lord, uh, Lord, the outsider, Lord, you make, you use ordinary, broken people, Lord, for your glory, and Lord, you um, love your people in such a way that you gave at great, great cost to bring us back to you. Lord, right now, I just pray that you would arrest our hearts and our minds, Lord. I pray that you would not let us just kind of go through the motions of the moment. And, Lord, that uh, we would hear and receive, Lord, the promise, the truth that you have for us today, right now, God. Um, so I surrender this time to you. Lord, I surrender my, my, my work I've put into this. I surrender the moments I have right now to present this, God. Lord, asking that you would work through these words, God. Lord, I pray that they are not mine, but that they are yours. And, Lord, that they lift up the name of Jesus, God. And, Lord, that they bring the reign of peace into our lives in a very real way. So, Lord, we love you, God. We praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as already been said, we are going to be in Isaiah 9-6 today at least to start. So if you have not already, you can turn to Isaiah 9-6. We'll also have our text up on the screen today to help you. Uh, if you need a Bible, there's one near you on the floor. You can use that. And if you don't have a Bible at all, please take that. That's our gift to you. So we'll be in Isaiah 9-6. So last week, we pointed out what we see in Isaiah 9-6, that it's the names of this promised Messiah, right? And then these names, these names are a description of what he would be. And specifically, what we see in the context is that he is a delivering king. And so we're seeing that this delivering king, what he will do and what he will be like, what his rule and reign over us will be like. So that's what these names are meant to do. So we started over the past few weeks looking at Jesus, the Messiah, as our wonderful counselor. And in that, I mean, I have heard so many. I wasn't here that week, but I listened to it. It was great. And, I mean, just kind of the refrain is that God is great. He is good. And in that, he has sent his son, his, this king, to bring divinity and humanity together, right? The unknowable being knowable, wonderful, just beyond measure, counselor, the one who makes known, right? And so this king brings divinity and humanity together so that we can know his goodness and be comforted, and also that we can be courageous in experiencing his greatness, right? And then the next two weeks kind of continue in that. We saw mighty God, Jesus the Messiah, comes to accomplish the mighty, creation-shaking, eternal work of God to restore us to him. And when this kind of this, 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 what we walked away with was this, this uh, truth that God is the mighty one, we are not. So we cannot be the mighty ones, but also this comfort that we don't have to be the mighty ones. And we talked about like how often we kind of get exasperated by the work of our hands resulting to the very opposite of what we intend. And their, their inability to actually achieve the kind of the comfort and the, and, the, and the ease that we desire in this life. And so we came to this great comforting thing that he is the mighty one, we are not. And then last week we looked at Jesus the Messiah as our everlasting father. 
And we saw that again as him giving a picture of what kind of rule and reign this delivering king would be is that Jesus ushers in the caring rule of God over our lives. That we experience the love of a forever father, right? This everlasting father, this father of eternity, this forever father that meets us where we are, praise God. That heals our wounds, that lifts our heads, delivers us from the shame and condemnation and makes us strong. Right, so that's where we've been the past few weeks, and we come into today. I want to read this passage one more time, Isaiah 9, 6. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we come to Prince of Peace today. And this promised Messiah is said to be our Prince of Peace I mean, have you heard this before? How many of you have heard that he is our Prince of Peace before? It's okay if you haven't. Don't expect everyone to. But it's fairly common. But do we actually, have you pondered what that means? Like, what, is, what does it mean that this Messiah Jesus is our Prince of Peace? And so to get us there, I loved, I loved our kids' time. Hannah, thank you so much. Seriously. I mean, I was like, let's just stop there. Like, that was wonderful. And we already heard this story, but let's, let's look at how this Prince of Peace came on the scene. So kind of in summary form real quick, because we already heard some of the story, you know, Caesar Augustus, the guy in charge, sent out a decree that he wanted, to be, he wanted everyone to be counted. He wanted to know who was there. He wanted to know so, that, so he could know, you know, what, what can we get, right? And so that he was, there was a decree like, hey, go back to your hometown and be counted, right? So there was this young couple, Mary and Joseph, you know, they were nobodies. They kind of, they had come together. They had some interesting circumstances. She was pregnant, but she's never, you know, she's never been intimate with anyone. They were engaged, but then they decided, you know, they got married, but they still haven't been intimate, right? We have all this whole kind of funny, interesting, crazy picture. And they went to this hometown, Jerusalem, it was right about the time that this baby was due. And they got there because everyone was swarming Jerusalem. There was no place to stay. They end up in a stable, a place for animals, the, the most ideal place to have a baby, right? And she has her baby, like, you know, of course. It's like she's going to have her baby when she's not at home. They say don't travel after how many months or weeks or something. We have, we have some people here that know. We do. Um, there's lots of kids. Um, but they obviously didn't follow that advice, and they had their baby. Um, and obviously this is not just an ordinary baby. It's a baby that we're still talking about. It's a baby that an Instagram post didn't suffice to announce his coming. Who, who announced it? It was the angels, right? So this is a special baby. The angels were out there making it known that baby Jesus was born and gave the stats and all that stuff, right? And so that's where we're going to pick up. We're going to pick up in Luke 2. We're going to read it 8, to 8 through 20. It's going to be up here. And uh, we just want to kind of reset here in, in this moment. So we're going to read it all. You can read with me if you want. And in the same region, so that's the same area, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Hey, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And I pray that that's the effect of today, that just we would walk away in awe, glorying and praising God for all we have heard and seen. Today and in this life as God has worked in us through Christ. So, so what was the saying that was made known to the shepherds that they reported to Mary and Joseph in the stable that brought all? Right? It, 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 it was like, whoa, wait, this is crazy. What was this saying? And, and it was that there was this announcement that today among you in the city of David, a Savior is born. The Savior you've been waiting for, the one, that's why we've been celebrating Advent, right? There is this yearning, this longing for deliverance. And they say, today's the day, it's finally happened, the Savior's born. And guess what? This Savior is not going to just bring peace to you, he's going to bring peace to the whole earth. So what peace is needed, this being talked about here, and how did this baby bring it? When we think about peace, we think about conflict as well, and it's hard to imagine this promise to be true with, with all the conflict we face. I mean, you experience conflict today, right? Like, you experience conflict almost every day of your life of some sort, and yet this peace is intact, it's present and forever, Peace be with you. Peace, peace among the whole earth. So what's going on? So let's think about the kind of conflicts we face. And first, it's just this very kind of close to home, personal, the internal conflict that we all live in, right? We live with internal conflict. I mean, it's just that emotional and mental strain. It comes from the hardships of life. It's those insecurities and those fears and anxieties. Everyone, take a moment and just let's personally check in with ourselves what was, I mean, do you have fears, anxieties? Does this, ring, does this resonate with you? Do you have internal conflict? Right? It's, it's, it's everything from just the mental struggle of the mundane life to the worries of maybe jobs or children or maybe future plans or maybe it's something more, more momentary like, this, like sickness and death. I mean, I, I'm just thinking of just a couple of stories from this week that this Christmas is not one of peace and fun and joy because there's family members and people personally that are sick and struggling. I mean, that's not peace. And so we, we wrestle with these things internally. Then there's also in, in, interpersonal conflict, right? This relational conflict between one another. And, and man, this tears me up. I'm a with me guy. Like I, I, I love people and I love, I love getting people to love the things that I love. And most of all, I love people loving me. And like, that's just the honest truth. And so like when, when there is conflict between me and someone, it tears me up. I mean, nobody likes it, right? But I, I may, you know, maybe I'm not that special, but like it just tears me up. Like we, we, we know too well the rifts uh, in our relationships that consume our thoughts and energy. I mean, you, you end up kind of developing a, a filter of that person in your life. 
I mean, you have a blank filter. Put their name there. Like you, every action and every decision you make now, it's, you're processing it through how will they respond to this. That's not peace. That's not freedom. We know the devastations of relationships that fracture beyond repair in our humanity. Many of us have either been divorced or have experienced divorce in your families. I mean, that's a fracture. You've gone through just deep friendships that have all of a sudden found themselves at odds and have just done this, and it just breaks your heart. So we have internal conflict. We have interpersonal conflict. We also have international conflict around us. And this is probably what comes to mind when you think of peace on earth. You think of, interna- and this is a, you think of international conflict. You think of wars and violence. And this is one of the most difficult ones for culture, the world, to reconcile. It's like there is a God of peace, a God who is good, a God of love, and yet there is all of this around us every day. How can we reconcile that? And so, you know, the wars and rumors of wars, they burden our mindset and they bombard our senses. So how can there be a promise of peace on earth? How did this baby bring in peace? And so here's the key. All of these things that we just talked about, these are temporal symptoms to an eternal problem. They're real, but they are only symptoms of what is really wrong. There is one more kind of conflict, and it is the one that matters most. It is the paramount conflict that must be dealt with, that must be overcome if we are to experience peace anywhere else in this life. So yeah, we've had internal conflict, interpersonal conflict, international conflict, but there is also an eternal conflict, and that is our conflict with God. And it is just a matter of fact, whether you have any ill feelings towards God or not, before you have come to know Christ, we are all enemies of God. We are opposed to God. We are working against him. From the first humanity of creation who sinned against God, we have all followed in kind, and we've all been enemies of God and have had a broken relationship with him, a broken alliance with him, a broken peace with him. Romans 5.10 points this out, for if while we were enemies, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? So there's so much good news to that verse, but the truth, the matter of fact, is that we all have the problem that in and of ourselves we are enemies of God. We are at odds with God, and we groan under the strain of that conflict. We often attribute it to one of these other conflicts, but this is the one that we are all crying out for peace in, in in every other area of life. But what we really need and are crying out for is peace with our eternal God. And because we are what we are, and what is that? We are human. We are finite. Like we, we have a limited understanding. We have a limited knowledge bank. We have a limited experience bank. So we all start with what we know. And so what do we do to find peace? We strive for peace through earthly means on every level. When we want peace, we start, we start, with, inter, we start with internal peace. What, what makes me feel good? What makes me feel good? What satisfies me? Or we start with interpersonal peace. Man, if I can just get this relationship right, I'll know peace. Or we focus all of our attention on the outward and we just say, gosh, man, there's so much evil in the world. If they can, you know, if they got, this should just be wiped out and then my mind will just be free. That's our tendency is we start with what we know but to no avail. And man, what happens, right? We grow tired, like, right? And I, and I, 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 I say what you will, I like MMA. 
I like I like to watch <laughs> I like to watch it, and I love when there's this guy that's just a brawler, and you know that like if he just comes out swinging, if the guy can just weather it for a minute and a half, if the if the guy's coming up against, he may be throwing bombs, but if he can just absorb and and, and bob and weave, the guy's gonna punch himself out and have no fight left. And I feel like that's man, that's that's us. Like we, with all of our might, we just try to fight against this this these these things that that, that attack our peace. And we end up punched out and our arms hang limp and we're just like, gosh, I got nothing left. And we're about to just to kind of give into it and kind of resign to this is the way it is. This is the way it's meant to be. It's just going to have to be this way. It is what it is and whatever. But just in time, this is what the baby does. This is what Jesus does. Our rescuer comes when we see this proclamation of a prince of peace, what we see is that we have been rescued. This is what he did. He took on this daring rescue mission. He went behind enemy lines to break us out of the bonds of captivity and sure death. That's what he did for you and for me. And it's in trusting Jesus over ourselves that we find freedom and peace with God through his works of making us innocent and satisfying the wrath that was due you and me. Because God is what? He is holy. He is sovereign over all creation. He is loving, merciful, and kind. And guess what? He is perfectly just as well. And what does a just judge always do? We've said it in these rooms a lot a just judge always condemns the guilty and acquits the innocent. And guess what? We were guilty, and that's the strain we feel. That's why we don't have peace. But he satisfied our guilt through Jesus coming and living the life that he lived, being tempted in every way without sin, and then taking the death that we deserve that he did not and giving us the life that, that we did not deserve. He, so it is the work that brings us peace, is the work of making us right with God. That is our need. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Do you catch that? Our peace is given to us by the justification of Jesus Christ. And we experience that justification by trusting the work that he did for you and for me on the cross and in his resurrection. That is why he is our Prince of Peace. That is your hope. We were created by our holy and eternal God, and Jesus came to restore us, to bring us back to him. Whatever we think, you know, we, we, we long for so much when all of our longing is satisfied in Christ. When Stephanie was praying for Megan, she prayed this little phrase. She said, I, I pray, oh gosh, what was it you said? I pray that she's able to, to recognize when her desires are for anything that are not you. And... Like that's, that's the promise of the Prince of Peace is that we, we have affections and, we are in, and every good gift is from God, but yet they can never replace the gift giver. And so this Prince of Peace satisfies us. He satisfies our every longing and need. Jesus gives us peace in our hearts and minds because we know our eternal hope. And we can know that because we have a wonderful counselor that helps us understand the impossible. 
right? We have a mighty God that conquered the enemy of our sin and fears. We have a prince of peace. I mean, we have an everlasting father that will never leave or forsake us and is working to make all things right once again. And we have a prince of peace that reminds us that God is for us and that we will never be taken from his hand. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14, 27. It says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus left us peace. He says, my peace. When Jesus rescued us through his work and us calling on him, trusting him, and belief and confession, he gave us his peace. He gave us his relationship with God, all the riches of grace. He bestowed on us his heavenly father. So we can have peace. We do not have to be afraid because Jesus has made it right and is making it right. So in Christ hear this, we are not victims in this life. We are not helplessly left to have life happen to us. You're not just bumping along having things bombard you. That's not what you're left to. Through Jesus, we are victorious with him. We are more than conquerors. We are, you think about the interpersonal conflict, right? We are bearers of grace, mercy, and unconditional love in all of our relationships because we have experienced that. We can be that. So we are not sitting here helpless and overrun by the interpersonal difficulties that happen amongst us and others. We have been made agents of grace because we've experienced grace. We are able to propel peace because we've been brought into peace. We have a confidence that transcends any earthly leader because we know God's sovereign will will be accomplished and that he will not abandon us to the grave. And we have a transforming heart and mind that God is working to reconcile our daily emotions to his promise. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It is not wrong to feel anxiety or fear. It is human. The invitation and the promise of the Prince of Peace is that you can actually experience wholeness in the midst of those things because you get to bring them to your faithful Father through Jesus. You get to experience his sustaining love and grace and mercy. This is the peace Jesus brought, and I pray that we can trust in his work so we can have an eternal, an eternal peace that cultivates peace in all of our earthly needs. So we're gonna. My, my prayer is that what we celebrate this time of year would be real. Um, you know, the, there's there's not a lot of leeway in what we get to focus on during the Christmas season. We don't want to try to get creative and make it you know more interesting. There is a, a truth to proclaim here, and is the work of Christ for us. My fear is that because of that. We can come in here, do our thing, and maybe nod our heads, and then kind of go about and say, okay, that was, this was our last Sunday for this year, and then kind of go about and, you know, next year kind of do the same. My prayer is that somehow that this would be real, and, and this would be a special real moment for us together. 
There is power in the body of Christ. We are meant to compel one another and to help each other see the goodness of God and grace more vividly. So for some of you today, this may still be abstract as you're grappling with what this means and you're grappling with your own personal belief, and that's okay. For some, it, it may be resonating with something you felt for a long time but couldn't name, and maybe for the first time it's bringing some clarity or some understanding. For others, maybe it's rekindling a flame that has grown dim. And for others still, maybe you're singing an old reframe of, of your consistent exalted worship and this is just making it hard for you to sit still. We all have an opportunity in this moment. And I want to take a risk to help make it real. I want us to open up a time for us to share some real things, to let us hear from each other. So I want us to consider these two questions, and if you could, if you'd be willing to, um, would love to invite you to share kind of in a minute or less. So no pressure to say anything greatly profound. We're not so interested in profound, we're more interested in personal. And so these are the two questions. So our Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, came to rescue us. That's what he did, and that's why we have peace. Question number one. What do you need Jesus to rescue you from today? If there's something that pops in, it's question two. What has Jesus rescued, already rescued you from? Let me pray. So God, I pray right now that you would make this real in our hearts. Lord, let the journey of our lives, Lord, just roll through our heads and our hearts. Lord, let us be reminded of the ways in which you've worked in us in Jesus. Lord, if there are those here that are still seeking, I pray that they would just be able to give a glimpse of the things that they are yearning for, for freedom from, that they need peace in, that maybe, Lord, they could consider that Jesus is their way to peace. Lord, I pray, Lord, that this would be a time of just unifying, Lord, us in, Lord, your goodness, Lord, in your grace, and, Lord, marveling at the work of Jesus. God, we are not interested in just coming here and doing a form, you know, and then kind of filling up an hour. We are interested in communing with you, Lord. We're interested in living out who you've made us to be, Lord, as individuals and together. Lord, it is important that we share. So stir us up now, Lord. Let your truth speak through us. Let it penetrate hearts and, Lord, change lives and maybe even bring salvation for some who are here. So, Lord, we love you. Uh, Let this testimony be true. Let it be glorifying to you. In Jesus' name, amen.